Good morning. It's no secret that we've been talking about the Ten Commandments this last uh, few months, right? This 500th year of the anniversary of the Reformation, we've been going through uh, the Catechism, and this summer we've been going through the part of the Catechism that talks about the commandments. Uh, the commandments that God gave to us, and then uh, the Lutheran thing that we say, what does this mean, right? Today we're talking about the Eighth Commandment. And folks, i got to tell you that this is probably one of the most difficult commandments for us to keep. One of the commandments that we struggle with the most, every single one of us, and it involves one of the smallest parts of our body, the tongue. As our Bible reading said, a horse is controlled by a little bridle. A massive ship is controlled by a little rudder. And so many times our life and the course of action of our course of our life is governed by our tongue. This is what Martin Luther said. The Eighth Commandment says, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. The Lutheran statement is, what does this mean? And read it with me. We should fear and love God so that we do not tell lies about our neighbor, betray him, slander him, or hurt his reputation, but defend him, speak well of him, and explain everything in the kindest way. Now, as we go through this um, discussion today, as we explore the Eighth Commandment, I'd like to uh, point you to the text that we're going to be reading. We're going to be reading from uh, Psalm 15 and Psalm 16. Now, why two Psalms? Well, you're going to find out later that we really can't read one without the other, that we really need one and the second in order to fully understand the heart of God. And so we begin with Psalm 15. King David wrote this psalm. And as he wrote it, he began by asking this question. He's talking to God. He says, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? What David was asking was this, who can come into your presence, God? Who is worthy who deserves to come into the house of God? This place that we set aside as the dwelling place of God, who deserves to be here? And then he answers his own question. He says this, the one who walked, whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart. Ouch. That's a little bit scary, isn't it? Because who is worthy to come into the house of God? Who's worthy to stand in the presence of perfection? Only those who are perfect themselves. Those who are blameless. Those who are righteous. And then David goes on to explain what this blameless righteousness looks like. It's a person who speaks the truth from their heart. We struggle with this one, don't we? Because what David's talking about is hypocrisy. If there was ever an accusation leveled against the people of the church, it's that we're a bunch of hypocrites. And folks, I got to tell you, it's absolutely true, we are. We say one thing, and so often in our sinfulness, we fall into sin, just like anybody else, and we don't practice what we preach. We're hypocrites. Oh, we speak the truth, all right. 
But what's our heart? Is it genuine concern that we speak this truth? Is it out of true, sincere love that we speak this truth? Or is it like this? Have you heard about Bill and Mary? They're having trouble in their marriage. We need to pray for them. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not a bad thing to share concern for other people. It's not a bad thing to pray for them. In fact, we need to do that. It's important that we do that. But we always have to think about what's really in our heart. I heard a, a story, actually I read an article uh, that Mark Twain once wrote about the time that he uh, stole his first watermelon. He was walking down the street of the small town that he grew up in, and he saw this wagon load filled with, with, um, with watermelons, and, and nobody was attending it. And so he took a look at that water, those watermelons thinking, man, they look awfully good. He went to the dark side or the back side of the, uh, of the wagon and looked around to make sure nobody was looking. He grabbed a watermelon and ran back into this alleyway. And there he broke open this watermelon, excited to be able to eat it. And when he looked inside, it was green. And as he looked at that unripe watermelon, he said he was filled with remorse and he began to reflect. And Mark Twain's word said, and Reflection is the beginning of reform. And as he sat there and looked at that watermelon, he became, became sorry that, that he stole that unripe watermelon. And he started to think to himself, what is it that I should do? And he thought the only right thing would be to return the watermelon. And that's exactly what he did. He returned the watermelon to the wagon and then promptly stole a ripe one. Mark Twain was saying, really, remorse and reform is a matter of the heart, is it not? And as we think about what David is saying here, he's saying it's a matter of the heart. And the fact is, folks, when we speak the truth, it's not the truth that's the sole matter. It's also a matter of the heart. Is it truly motivated by love? Is it truly motivated by concern? Is it truly designed to build others up? And folks, to be honest with you, if we're to speak the truth in love, it's better done by speaking to the person about whom we're talking than to talk about them with another person, right? Well, David doesn't stop there in Psalm 15. He goes on and he says, who's worthy to stand in the presence of God? Those whose tongue utter no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur, a slur on others. Now David's talking about gossip. Folks, if we struggle with the sin, we struggle with gossip. Oh, we don't call it gossip, do we? We call it sharing, right? We call it um, venting. We call it catharsis. We might even call it networking, right? We call it anything but what it really is. As we gossip, 
And folks, if we don't use our mouth and our tongue to gossip, guess what? We use our ears and our eyes to gossip. Tell me you haven't stopped in the grocery line and read uh, an article or the beginning of an article in People magazine, huh? Or the National Enquirer to see, oh, what is this rubbish? And we can't stop reading it, right? Gossip is a struggle for all of us. And if you don't believe me, I'd like to show you a little bit of a video. And folks, I'm going to tell you, this may be a little uncomfortable. Jesus, I am late for church. I'm just going to speak this parking spot into existence right now. Just name it and claim it, Jesus. Oh, for heaven's sakes, use the crosswalk. I, okay, I have the fruit of the Spirit, but y'all need to move. Ooh, she's going to wear that. In the, bounce your eyes. Bounce your eyes. Jesus, give me a miracle. I need a ram in the thicket. I love this church. It's just like, come as you are. You know what I'm saying? How do I look, though? Is the jacket go with the shirt? Oh, good Lord. Guests, single parents, expected mother. Who doesn't have a parking spot these days? I have been here 27 years. I deserve respect. Oh, yeah, go ahead, take my parking spot. She, listen, she probably needs Jesus more than me, honestly. Use your mirror. How long does it take to back out of a... Jesus, give me strength. This is so... Honestly, there better be coffee. There better be coffee. Y'all are gonna make me park in a handicapped spot. Oh, look, there go the homeschoolers. I swear if somebody took the last jelly donut, I will. Don't make me get out of the... Oh, hey, move that... On the ministry team? Not today, okay? Oh, you're gonna drive a Lexus? Okay, I know where your treasure's at. Not in heaven. The sermon series is what? Putting others in front of yourself. Oh, this doesn't apply to me. I mean, for heaven's sakes, move out of the road. Look at this truck. Where are you going? A church or a Trump rally? Finally found a parking spot 15 minutes late. Oh, it is way too cold out here, but you better bring a shuttle or I will watch this service online. I hope you're not offended by watching that. But it is a little convicting though, isn't it? And we chuckle because, remember, humor is often found in the things that we can relate to. It's based on reality. And we laugh because we see a little bit of ourselves in that. And, folks, I got to tell you, as I watched this, I was a little uncomfortable. Because, you know, the thing about gossip, it's not just a matter of the tongue. It's a matter of the ears. But not just the ears, but the eyes. And not just a matter of the eyes, but the heart. Because how often has somebody said something or done something that offended you, and you, instead of checking it out with them to see if that's what they really meant or what they really intended to do, we keep it inside, and we put it down in our heart, and it rots in there, right? And then our minds are filled with gossip about how evil that person is and how inconsiderate they are and how they don't care about anybody. Ouch. But David's still not done. Who's worthy to come into the presence of God? Those who keep an oath and even when it hurts and does not change their mind. That's the person that can come into the presence of God. Those of us that keep our promises all the time, right? Those of us that keep our appointments those of us that uh, borrow something and return it. But if we're really honest with ourselves, who of us has always kept our promises? Who's promised to keep something confidential, but later on went to somebody else and said, I know I'm supposed to keep this confidential, but I know you can keep a secret. I need to share this with you. 
and we break a promise. Or when we borrow something from somebody, promising to return it, and then six months later we find it in our garage. Or when we make an appointment or a promise to do something for somebody or with somebody, but then another better offer comes along, we call them and say something more important came up. Folks, we struggle with this. We struggle with hypocrisy. And folks, this isn't limited to the people in the church. Those that are outside the church that call people in the church hypocrites are just as judgmental. We all struggle with this. There isn't a person on the face of this earth that doesn't struggle with hypocrisy, struggle with gossip, or struggle with keeping a promise. We all do it. But there's good news, folks. Remember, I, I told you that we needed to also read Psalm 16 if we really wanted to hear the heart of God. Because if we stopped with Psalm 15, we would all be dragging in the mud, knowing that we're sinners, feeling guilty and convicted. But in Psalm 16, David goes on. Could you read this with me? He begins Psalm 16 with these words, Preserve me, O God. For in you is refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. When we walked into the worship service today, we, the, one of the first things we did was confess our sins before God. Why? Because we're not worthy to be here. We do everything that Psalm 15 tells us not to do. And we do everything that Psalm 15 tells us. We, no, we don't do anything that it does tell us to do. We're guilty. And we know that we're not worthy to be in this house. And so we come into this house, and we hear the words of God. And he goes on and says, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel, in the, and in the night my heart also instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me, because He is at my right hand, and I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure, for you will not abandon my soul to the place of the dead, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore." In Psalm 15, you and I are convicted. We are reminded that we are guilty of sin, that we're guilty of breaking this Eighth Commandment, that we're guilty of not being there for our friends and building them up, that we're guilty of hypocrisy, saying one thing on the outside but feeling or acting differently on the inside. When we uh, gossip with, uh, about other people and we harbor that in our heart, we're guilty of breaking our promises. Folks, the commandments convict us. God's law always convicts us because we are indeed sinners. But Psalm 16 comforts us. If I could ask you to hear anything anything about what I've said today, this is the part I want you to remember. So could I ask for all of your attention just for a minute here? I want you to hear this. 
As we've gone through the Ten Commandments, there isn't a single one that we haven't broken, right? We don't keep God as the most important thing in our life. We use His name in vain as we curse and swear and let a bad word slip. We don't come to worship every Sunday, and when we are here, our heart isn't always fully into it. We don't respect those that um, are our elders or our authorities. When it comes to the fifth commandment, it says, thou shalt not murder, we can say, I've never murdered anybody, but when we realize that if I hate somebody, I've broken that commandment. If I dislike them, I've broken that commandment. When we get to the sixth commandment and say, well, I've never been unfaithful to my spouse, but we find out that when I lust or look lustfully upon another person, I've broken that commandment. The sixth, seventh commandment, when we talk about thou shalt not steal, all of us know that we've strived for something that isn't ours. We've stolen another person's dignity by the harsh words we speak. Every one of us has broken every single one of those commandments. But look, folks, I want you to hear this. There's forgiveness. These commandments that our Lord speaks to us, He says, I, I want you to know that I will not abandon you. He wants us to know that He will make known to us the path of life. John chapter 1 says that the Word, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, became flesh. He was the life. And the life gives light to all men. Jesus himself said in John chapter 10, he said, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly, completely filled up with life. And then he says in John 14, he says, you want to know the Father? Come to me. Because I am the way, the truth, and the life. Folks, these commandments are not just here to convict us, but in these commandments, God gives us invitations. Two invitations. The first one is this. When we're beaten down by our guilt, when we're beaten down by the difficulties that our, our guilt or that our sin has caused in our life, He invites us to come into His house, to walk up to the cross, and to lay our burdens down at the foot of the cross. And He says, I, I am He who blots out all your transgressions for my name's sake, and I will remember them no more. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be made white as snow. Folks, Jesus invites you to come in here and dump it all out, and he says, I take it away. And I no longer look at you as a sinner. I look at you as my child, and I love you. You are a new creation, and now I invite you again to live this life of freedom, free from guilt, free from sin, free from uh, shame. And I want you and invite you to live as my child, to live a life of love, to think before you speak, to think before you listen, to think before you think. And this is what I mean. The acronym THINK 
as we're speaking, as we're listening, as we're harboring things in our heart, God invites us to consider, T, what is true? Is it true? If it isn't, get rid of it. If it is, then go on. And H says, is it helpful? Is this truth helpful? If it's not helpful, if it's not building somebody up, if it's not encouraging, if it's not helping the body to, to live together as a unity or the family, or helping you to live in unity with other people, then get rid of it. It's not necessary. Is it inspiring? I. Is it edifying? Are people built up and elevated and made to feel good? If not, get rid of it. And is it necessary? Sometimes things are not necessary. I kept hearing in the news this week about um, Taylor Swift and this lawsuit against some Denver DJ. Folks, is that really necessary? Do we need that? Is that important? If not, get rid of it. And then finally, K, is it kind? Our moms always said to us, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all, right? How many of you have heard that? How many of you have said that? Moms are wise. Folks, my prayer today is that you and I have been convicted and we understand that we need to keep our tongues and our ears and our hearts in control. But my prayer that you would know that our Lord Jesus comes to you and he invites you through this commandment. That when you are convicted of it, that you can come to the foot of the cross and lay your guilt before him and that you will leave knowing that you are a new creation, that you are a child of God and that he loves you and that now he invites you again and empowers you by the power of his Holy Spirit to be able to live a life of love and to think before you speak, before you hear, and before you feel. And so... Why don't we pray about that? Can you join me in prayer? Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you knowing that we've sinned and that we need your forgiveness. But Lord, we hear your invitation that as we feel guilty and we're convicted by your law, that through your gospel you come to us and you say, come, I have taken care of those sins. I've died for them. I rose for them. And now you are my children, clean and pure in my sight, a new creation. Lord, help us to lay our sins at the cross and to hear your words of forgiveness. And Lord, now, empowered by your Holy Spirit, we pray that you would empower us to live a life thinking about what we say, what we listen to, and checking out our heart to make sure that it is pure and right with you. Lord, we can only do that with your help. And so, Lord, we come to you and humbly ask that you would bless us with your forgiveness and the empowerment of your Holy Spirit to live a life filled with your love for others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.